0: Uh, Just before we go, Braden, watch your mic on your beard. You're doing the same thing you did last week. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Hello, welcome to Hat Trick. I'm Jordan Diller-Coltman. I am joined, as always, by my brother, Braden Diller-Coltman. And this week, we have a very special guest. First time to the pod, Jamie Henry out of Calgary. Jamie is the manager of development and hockey operations for... Uh, hockey calgary he's here because we're going to talk about minor hockey but he is also a diehard and lifelong montreal canadians fan so we are going to indulge him by having a good old conversation about the montreal canadian season so far and we'll also do hats off with him jamie welcome to the podcast how you doing
1: i'm doing great thank you guys for having me it was uh it's a it's a pleasure to to be here and yeah really really good really happy to catch up and I'm looking forward to chatting
0: how you doing brayden i know you're you're riding high big, big game for your boy evan bouchard
2: Another big game for the Oilers. Good thing Evan Bouchard's on that team. It's nice to see our goalies push uh,
0: push the limits and get another nice win. All right. Well, we're not going to talk about the Oilers at all, uh, as much as we can help it. As much as we can help it, let's go right to topic one today. Um, all right. Topic one. So. Um, we've spoken a lot on the show about how the NHL and professional hockey has been dealing with the effects of COVID. Um, but we wanted to spend a little bit of time today talking about the effects it's had on minor hockey, obviously, you know, d- doesn't get the same kind of attention unless you've got a kid playing minor hockey or you, you know, family member. So then you're then it's sort of in your in your worldview. Um, but if but if it's not, um, you probably haven't even thought about it. But maybe you grew up playing hockey, maybe you know, someone who has and just to think for a second, what it would be like in this time to not have that sort of team that you're going and hanging out with your friends hanging out with your, your teammates going and playing that competitive sports good for physical activity, all those kind of things, big changes because of COVID, obviously. So Jamie is here, like I said, off the top, he's the manager of development and hockey operations for Hockey Calgary. Jamie, let's just start with this. Um, obviously, the whole world has been shook up and changed and every—I mean, we're on zoom because of covid um if you go back to last march how did covid first sort of affect your season last year in calgary
1: yeah uh it kind of came out of nowhere like obviously we kind of heard rumblings of the pandemic was was coming and we didn't i don't think anybody really thought that it was going to interrupt our our season and then we kind of got to a point where like man let's hopefully get another week out of it and and I guess to kind of put timeline in perspective, obviously minor hockey is very different from the timelines of the NHL. So generally speaking, yeah, there, there's some spring hockey, but in terms of the traditional winter hockey season for minor hockey, um, it we're usually done by spring break, which is kind of that third third week of March. So kind of the early kind of March 20th or so. And and usually after kind of about March 7th or March 10th, most of your teams are kind of buttoning up at that point. They're you know, you're kind of in the final few teams of playoffs. So when um when we were actually shut down, uh, Hockey Canada shut down basically all their programming, we only had about five days left in our season. So um, when you look at the grand scheme of things, we were very fortunate. And from a youth sport governing body, when you look at sports baseball that were affected right from the onset and things like that, that was um, certainly, we felt very fortunate. And then it was just uh, at the beginning, it was trying to figure out there's a lot of voices out there that wanted to were going to be since we didn't hadn't had a championship game so we tried to figure out a way to do that and then and then kind of things kept calm and then we, we were like okay great well things are gonna be back to normal by september right and then so you know uh, we got to and we kind of started looking you know and say uh, we we might need to do some serious planning to see what, what hockey is going to look like uh coming back because we don't we don't know it's going to come back to, to being normal so at that point we got it to kind of full gear with uh, our governing bodies at Hockey Alberta and and really try to think about what this could look like not not knowing what it's going to look like when it comes September right so
0: yeah, totally. And I guess that's the first, that, that's sort of the next piece of it. When did that, I mean, you kind of said it, but how quickly did that shift from sort of the, I mean, everybody thought, well, this would be a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months and we'll be back to normal. Like you said, back to September. I'm assuming as the summer rolled through, you know, we, we started to see professional sports finding their ways back in that probably already intrinsically puts pressure on a smaller organization or you know a minor organization like you guys because everyone's looking to the nhl to take the lead well if it's safe for the pros must be safe for us i mean i know there's some crazy hockey parents out there who probably think i mean as soon as the nhl is good to go we must have been how quickly did the planning for you guys shift into how to make it work um and and when did you get that green light to do something or did you
1: yeah, so it was probably, <clears throat> probably around June when we really had to start shifting that focus to say, okay, it's, yeah, we got to figure out what this is going to look like. And 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 so much of it is like the amount of different plans that we've built and adjusted and modified and thrown out and stuff like that, because the rules change all the time. And and it is what it is. It's not just our industry that's being affected by that, but there's so much planning that has gone involved in contingency plans. So you, you build out models of, okay, it could look like A, B, C, or D. Um, And I I think one of the things that we did that we were pretty proud of in Calgary is we focused on um, making sure that no matter what we do when we come back to hockey we want to be able to tell our members we've got fourteen thousand minor hockey players in Calgary so it's a fairly large organization affects a lot of people a lot of families so we said okay well we want to be able to tell our members who are our customers right we're going to be able to offer you and these are kind of the the key points were fun development safety obviously safety is number one right um like skilled abilities so some sense of tiering right people want to it's good for the kids it's good for the development to have some close closeness when it comes to the skill abilities some sense of gameplay whether it's formal or whether it's modified but some sort of gameplay maybe it's three on three and then flexible transition not knowing what's going to happen from month to month to month how can we transition from this to possibly regular mode and stuff like that so so much of it was more of a really critical you know critically thinking about where we're at now and where we want to be and what are the different ways we can get there and building out the different plans and getting in place so when an announcement comes how quickly can we maneuver and make those calls and make those changes
2: Jamie, it's been a little while since i've been a referee and the <laughs> adams for uh for minor hockey here in Edmonton. but what are 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 there are there teams playing now yeah so we just we
1: just kind of got the green light in alberta to kind of get back on the ice so <clears throat> essentially i'll try to do this rapid rapid fire this um, <laughs> how we kind of got into our structure to begin with but um at the beginning we had a cohort based model so basically you could have groups of up to uh 50 50 kids or or um coaches can be in there as, as long as anybody who was in contact close contact with each other and you had okay. a cohort of 50 people uh that cohort if you wanted to change you needed to have a 2 week break in between to change those cohorts so the first thing we started doing is let's get into a group of um Groups of 50 of like scalability. So we had to run evaluations or um, sorting, as I like to prefer to call it, but sorting players without doing any gameplay because you right. they, they have to be distanced to start before we can form the cohorts, right? So then we form our cohorts and and we basically operated all the way until, until November like that. So they were in in pods, you didn't play against other associations. So you grew up in, in hockey, it wasn't White Mud West playing Sierra, it was all the Sierra group playing together. Um, and that's where the informal games came to play, you played three on three, four on four, you practiced, So you still got to be with your friends. So we were still feel like we were hitting all of our buckets. Um, and then
2: when you know, it just, comes to development, yeah, yeah. And the seven yeah.
1: things yeah. like there, the six things that I went over, like development funds, yeah. gameplay, those types of things. Um, and then we got shut down and, um, we were trying to transition into, into full teams, obviously, what we've just got the green light to go do now is we can have groups of 10 on the ice. Um, they have to be distanced though. So now you have a big question. So a player that loves hockey, but maybe isn't like, it's not their whole life. or that's not their number one activity or their number one sport. Like, you know, use us as an example. We were all in the arts, right? We love hockey, but it was hockey our number one thing. I don't know. Right. So um, if we had other courts that we were in, that poses a problem. So now you get into this idea that some kids might not want to play if they can't play games. Right. So we've basically allowed people to opt out at this point, And now we've got the people that want to be on that have been able to opt in and they're now operating with, groups of 10 on the ice including coaches and we can have technically we can split and have two groups of 10 as long as they don't interact with each other but the kids now we're not cohorts anymore everything is distance so it's basically full-on skill development right wow skills shooting skills so
2: we're really training camp training camp training training camp right no
1: battle drills no nothing so that's where we're at um right now but you look at it we're still we're happy to be there because where we were a month ago was no one was on the ice and, and after a couple of months of that, it, you could really see how it was starting to to impact the, the kids, just how this pandemic has impacted everybody all the way through. So I'm, I'm really happy that for the people that want to be on the ice, we're, we're at least allowing them to get on the ice right now in some capacity. Right.
0: That's great. So obviously, yeah, I mean, um, just to wrap this up. Where do you think this goes? I mean, how does how do you guys I mean you're already a, almost a year into this now? We're approaching, as you sort of said, the that winter season ends sort of late March, early April. When when do how do you guys begin to uh, figure out what's next? Or is that just you just gonna have to wait and see like you have the whole way through? Um, is that sort of where we're at with this? Is that the plan is currently one thing and you're just gonna have to adapt as it comes?
1: Yeah, and I think that's the, the one of the things that we've kind of put ourselves to, to begin with as best we can is, especially, like I said, flexible transition is how do, we, how do we transition to a formal environment, to a regular normalcy and stuff like that, right? But at this point in time, I think we've been able to get our kids on the ice. We're, we're at a point now where we only have five weeks left in what would be a traditional season. It doesn't really... Um, with what we're seeing coming from the government right now we don't think we're going to get into full gameplay type stuff before the end of that that season so right now we're thinking let's get the kids on the ice till march Now, there's a lot of private operators and spring operators and some of our associations who run like spring development camps um in kind of april and may we're kind of lucky because whatever they're allowed to do at that point is going to be tested out by other groups right and we're going to get to watch to kind of see what happens so again we've we're, we're lucky in that sense i'm hoping that I'm hopeful that by September we will back to be basically back to normal in terms of teams at bare minimum in sort of a cohort environment, like we were in, in the previous fall. And then, and then by, you know, you got to think hopefully by fall we can get back to a full normal type of uh, uh, programming, but uh we'll see what, what, what's going to look different. Maybe there's some learnings from this. Some people love this cohort model, right? It was great. It wasn't, yeah team focused it was more and i could talk for hours about the european development model and, and how there's some some stuff on that but some of this was that and it was great mm-hmm. there were some people that really loved this so there's some really cool learnings that we could take from it in the future but yeah we're hopeful that by next season we'll have some sense of you know teams games maybe not traveling as much for tournaments right at the beginning of the year and stuff like that but totally.
2: yeah, it's we, those pesky parents that are just wishing that they could be back in the rink 100
1: uh, percent. yeah you, you, <laughs> it's a it's a uh, it's an industry with very passionate stakeholders and that is a um a benefit and sometimes it can be a uh, pain but uh, a
2: detriment, uh, yeah don't complain,
1: don't complain about having that because it's uh, worse if you don't have any of that right we're a volunteer driven um organization and, and those people are the reason why minor hockey is able to run is because we have passionate volunteers to do the work behind the scenes and they've done a uh, unbelievable amount of work this year
2: so, that's fantastic
0: Well, we're going to leave it there. We went a little bit over time, but that's okay because it's a great topic. And I promise that we will have Jamie back on to have more conversation about minor hockey specifically because I do think it's fascinating to think about in the big picture how – this has a ripple effect to so many other parts of hockey. Obviously, there's well, the there's whole conversation, game. Yeah. There's a big conversation we'd be having later about how this affects, you know, the whole Hockey Canada program and the development of future players and the high levels of minor hockey when you've got guys who have missed an entire year and all of those things. But that's a different conversation. We will leave it there. Yeah, you set um, up a
1: few hours for that one, Jordan, because if can get going on that,
2: I'd be happy to do it.
1: The uh, future that's,
2: generations that's... of post COVID hockey players. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know it, right? Yeah. There's a lot in, involved.
0: So, all right, we'll leave it there for now. Topic two this week is brought to us by Busy Bee Vegan. Are you feeling hungry? Busy Bee Vegan is a plant-based meal prep service offering pre-made delicious and healthy plant-based meals to the greater Toronto area. Whether you're curious about plant-based vegan eating, looking to improve your overall health and wellness, or simply too busy to cook, Busy Bee is for you. Their plans are focused on eating clean without sacrificing taste and contributing to a healthy planet. They have made it super simple. Choose and order your meals from the multiple plans they offer and they will deliver your meals in environmentally friendly compostable containers right to your door. You can find them on Instagram at Busy Bee Vegan Meals or on Facebook at Busy Bee Vegan. Go check out a small local business in Toronto and save the hassle of COVID grocery shopping and cooking. Let the Busy Bees feed you buzz worthy meals. <laughs> All right, here we go with topic two today. Uh, and after we grilled Jamie on the last one, he had to go through all of his statistics and all of his analytics and all of his deep uh, work and business related. Let's go to pleasure for a moment. I know you are a lifelong diehard Montreal Canadiens fan. You must have enjoyed the beginning of the season. It's leveled out a little bit. I'm not going to pour water on it yet because they're certainly still competitive in this North division. And I think this is going to be a wild ride right to the end. Um First off, Jamie, early impressions. How you feeling as a Habs fan? Uh, what like twenty games in?
1: Yeah, I, I you know feels feels pretty good. I like where they're at. I I think they came out hot out of the gate, and like everything, it kind of always comes back down to the mean. So I was I was expecting them to to kind of come back a little bit, um, which they they've shown. But uh, yeah, they've they've. I'm i excited where they're at. I think it it goes to show that. Um, the moves that, that Mark Bergevin made um in the offseason are are paying off um for the most part and um and just seeing where they were at kind of in the playoffs and, and some of the, the development of their their youth has has continued to develop and through twenty games of the season now that's better than you know a seven or eight game playoff sample size. It's you're starting to see that maybe those guys are the real deal and, and there's some some good things to look forward to as a as a Montreal fan. So it's nice well, yeah. to cheer
2: for a, a winning team. Hey? Yeah, you must feel good today, too, eh, Avery. I do, buddy. I do.
0: But, you know. (laughs) He's trying to turn this on the Oilers already. Get out of here, Brady. Stop it. I'm not. Here's what I'm
2: trying to say. I've been an Oilers fan for all my life. But when I was eight years old, there's one guy who, who convinced me to pull on a Montreal Canadiens jersey. And it was Jamie Henry was <laughs> and forever. I will have a little piece of the Montreal Canadians with me because of your passion for them. So I oh, am thrilled. Love it. Now my grandfather would say that it's because of him and his passion for the Habs, but combined between the two of you, I am thrilled that the Habs are doing well this season. But what I want to know is what do you think of the free agent uh, signings and off season moves that Per Van made? Bergevin's been polarizing over the years. He's made really good moves and he's made some very daft moves. What do you think his most effective move this offseason was? Oh, um,
1: I think part of that is actually still remained to be seen because I know people are going to expect me to go to um, Anderson and to Foley right away. And, and I think that those are the obvious ones. So I'm going to give you a curveball. Um, You're going to give me those goalie pads. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm I'm going Jake Allen, um, because I think we're 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 looking at it down the road. Is that you have, Carey you know, Price is a great goaltender, and yeah, he, he can be he can be average with the team that he has in front of him right now. Like it's a brilliant team, you know they're going to play well defensively. Um, their defensive core is like scary. Um, in a lot of ways, right too, so that's uh, another thing. Um, just in terms of like no one wants to go in the corners with some of those guys, right? You're going to get your head taken off. So in a lot of ways, like. Gold doesn't need to be that good, but but Montreal because of that, Montreal hasn't really had a great backup in a lot of, in you know, a really solid backup in in quite a while. Um, and I think the the, the good thing is I think Carrie Price plays a lot of games, right? So you get, you get to the playoffs and maybe he's tired and, and hey, he played really, really well in the playoffs last year and he was rested, right? Like it goes to show how important it is as a rest of goalie. And there's, you don't have the days anymore where Mark, Mark Martin Broder is playing 70 games, and then going to win the Stanley cup, the goalies that are winning it are playing 55 games max. Right. And so you need to have a good person in place. And Jake Allen to me is not a backup. And that's the other thing is Montreal's always had backups. He's, and in some ways you can't call Jake Allen a backup because it's insulting to Jake Allen, but you can't call anybody who plays behind price not a backup because it's insulting to carry Price because carry if you're playing under
2: yeah, Carey, yeah. You're a backup.
1: But yeah, you got a solid
2: one A and one B right there. Exactly. He's a he's a
1: platoon yeah. goalie right there. And then the future is it it saves them. They got a couple of young goalies in this pipe and it saves them from the, the um uh expansion draft. So I thought that was the most sad move personally.
0: Yeah, I think that when you look like Braden sort of said, you know, van's record has been Interesting because to be fair, he's also had a lot of work to do, you know, in the last couple of years, they've made a lot of big moves, you know, even going back to like the Weber trade with, with PK Subban. And it's not just necessarily that it's always been uh, the hockey moves or the product on the ice that has affected people, but you know, people have invested a lot in certain players and he's never been afraid to trade fan favorites out of there for the purposes of making the team better. Right. I mean, People loved having Max Domi on that team, but it just wasn't a fit that worked with the system they had. And that now, you yeah. you know, you look at that trade and like you said, maybe it's too early to tell how that's going to play out, but it certainly looks good. And I can tell you as someone who lives in Vancouver, uh, there is a lot of hand wringing here about losing to Foley. And he obviously came in here and lit the Canucks up, you know, much to the glee of anyone who doesn't cheer for the Canucks. But uh, yeah. but like you said, you know, maybe it's a little early to tell exactly how that's going to play. But it has been it has been really fascinating to see, I think, across the – board and this north division thing this is a whole different league uh now we're playing only these these six or seven teams and you're going to play them like 10 times i mean i don't know how many times you guys play the leafs but you know as an oiler we fan, played like, them
2: three times in the next uh next yeah, week yeah like
0: it, it, it's gonna get it's gonna be playoff hockey down the stretch here real soon it's gonna start feeling really like you know every game is gonna be a must win um Having Kerry Price play the way he's been playing, and like you said, having Allen there, it looks like Montreal's setting themselves up to be, you know, competitive all the way through. And I think that's all you can really ask for at this point. Any of these teams is, is, is you gotta be hitting your stride now, uh, not going the other way like we're seeing the Canucks and the Flames starting to do, where they had, you know, decent starts, but now the real rubber is hitting the road.
1: Yeah. And you know what I think like everyone wants to debate what the, what the type of structure to, to make you around, whether you focus on analytics, whether you focus on a bunch of big guns and you know how Toronto has been trying to do it for a while. I think it goes to show when you get deep in the playoffs and this isn't a new take, this is what a lot of people say out there. It's like goaltending and a really solid defense will win your win championship or at least help you keep you competitive when the going gets tough. And I, you know, Montreal, you have the defensive minded coach, you have the goaltending in place. And, and I just thought that like, I'm not surprised that they that they did that they came kind of out of the gates with like fiery. Like I thought, the two biggest successes for them in the playoffs this past year, outside of Carey Price, were what I call the big three, which is Weber, Petrie, and Sherratt. And they're all, like, six foot three and above. And then you go out and get Joel Edmondson. It's like, good luck playing against that group. Like, I know Joel's not very mean, but, like, like that's a
2: lo- – Oh, he's pretty mean, at least the, the games well, I
1: I mean, compared to Girard and Weber, he's a little bit on the – Yeah, score. yeah, he's yeah. Those three. But, like, like the stick lengths to get around those guys, like, that's absolutely ridiculous. And then – so, you get those four guys, like, they're tough to play against. And then the other big question mark was where the, the two centermen that actually looked like legitimate top six centermen, were they going to do that again this year? And in Suzuki and Kakenyemi, mean, Suzuki looks like a – you know, possibly like I don't even want to put him in the same words right yet, but like Patrice Bergeron, a similar set of player that I've mm. seen too. And you still have DeNo there that's playing well. So, like, they're they look like a team that could play in the playoffs, um, even if they struggle to get scoring, which, you know, it looks like Anderson DeFolio finding that. And that's that's, you know, good. But here's another hot take too right now Petrie is going to finish in top five for the Norris trophy voting. Like, he is Carlson from uh, John Carlson from like last year, the year before, where he just lit it up on points and everyone's like, oh, it's just passing it to Ovechkin. Yeah, well, he's doing a lot more than that. And he's he's just been an underrated defenseman for so long and he's finally getting it. And that's going to make you hurt, Brady. I know that, but uh, you you saw him play at Edmonton. He, he took a stride when he went to Montreal. And this year, he looks like, he looks unbelievable. I, yeah, I think he's been the best the best defenseman by a landslide on Montreal. And that's saying something with who they have there. So,
2: I love yeah. these hot takes by Jamie Henry, future NHL GM, president. I
0: don't well, uh we're out of time on this one. Yeah. Um, to summarize, I think, you know, they're middle of the pack right now, but they're within four points of second. Um and it that's what I think we're we're living in this this north division is going to come down to the next couple of weeks here where the top four teams sort of run away and leave the other guys behind and then it's going to be a dog fight right to the end. So, um lots of positives, lots to look forward to and uh, isn't it just nice to have you know, Canadian teams in a being put in a position by the fact that this is how this is going to work out. We're (laughs) going to have some good hockey in the the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. Better finish first. All right. That's topic two for this week. Uh, We'll leave it there. Do you or someone, you know, own a small business? Are you looking to grow or to reach new customers? Hey, why not let us help? Hatrick is looking for unique brands, businesses, and products to advertise on our show. You can find out how we can help spread the word about your business by contacting us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Okay, our third topic this week, we're going to do hats off, um, our favorite segment. Um, I'll start. Um, So my hat goes off this week to Sidney Crosby. He played his thousandth career game uh, tonight, which seems kind of crazy considering it, you know, I don't feel old most of the time. But now I'm starting to feel kind of old. You know what I mean? Sidney Crosby, uh thousand games. And obviously a career that has had like a roller coaster of a, of a ride. He, you know, had that. Great start to his career. All that promise first overall came out of the gates, played with his team owner, Mario Lemieux for the first year and a half. It was just so much fun to see Sid the kid, um, but he's not Sid the kid anymore. He's grown up. He's, you know, been the dominant guy in the NHL for over a decade. Now we all remember the golden goal. I think Jamie and I were in the same city, maybe not the, uh, for that game, but I know you were out here for the, for the Olympics. We went to a couple games, but, um, you know, but the golden goal and winning Stanley Cups and just living up to what was promised in so many ways—he's um, not going to catch Gretzky in most places like they thought he might have when he was a you know sixteen and seventeen-year-old kid. But honestly, huge tip of the cap to a just a first ballot, obvious Hall of Famer and you know a generation-defining player, Sidney Crosby, thousand games. Congratulations! Is that good? Thousand games. Wow! I mean, you gotta gotta (laughs) stick around, right?
1: I'm playing. That's a how many
0: NHL games you got, Jamie?
1: No, hey, I was it was being sarcastic.
2: It's that's
0: amazing, (laughs) amazing accomplishment.
2: So, yeah. What with all the lockouts, he's been a part of.
0: Well, and and injuries,
2: concussions. He almost didn't come back from his career. Exactly, 23 years old. Almost almost, didn't didn't come back from here, and then he's got three Stanley Cups. Crazy. All
0: right, Jamie. Um, Oh, I was going to let Jamie go last, Brayden. You ready to go? Let's see what yours is. Yeah, hats I off. couldn't
2: remember who Jamie's was, so I'm hoping I didn't take Jamie's here by um, giving my hats off. I didn't have to look very far, uh, then give it to Connor McDavid, who scored the hat trick tonight. He also what made another record of, what, 500 points in 360-some games, which is the same, same as Crosby. That's, yeah. that's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty – there's some synchronicity in that. And my hat goes off to uh, – to Captain
0: Connor. And he's a young guy, too. We, I was joking with my wife today. We watched the Toronto-Montreal game because I knew we were going to talk about the Canadians. I'm not going to bring it up because it didn't go well for the Canadians. It's but
2: Happens but
0: in Joe Thornton scored. Joe Thornton's wearing 97 for the Leafs. You know what's funny about that? He's wearing 97 because that's the year he was drafted. McDavid's wearing 97 because <laughs> that's the year he was born.
2: <laughs> he's a wheelie for baby.
0: Amazing. Anyway, anyway, Jamie, who's your hack going off to this week?
1: Well, you so lovely um, alluded right to him. Big Jumbo Joe is my um, tip of hats off. I know, uh, crazy right there. So great segue into that. Um, he continues to amaze me with what he can do on the ice. I mean, maybe I'm not amazed what he can do on the ice, but like continues to amaze me with like how successful he is and how much he loves this game? It's it's unbelievable. Like Yarmir Yager was always a guy that people talk about being like, this is a guy who loves the game. He just will play forever. But you didn't. I don't know if unless you were around that room that you really got the feeling that Yarmir loved the game. Like he just loved playing hockey. That's what his life was. Like still is Joe. Like, and I've, I've heard this from other people and from listening to other things. Like he loves being at the rink more than anything. They could have a day off. He'll go in the rink just to hang out with the trainers. Like he loves this game and he goes to Toronto. Everyone's like, he's too old. He's not going to be able to keep up with that line. He won't be able to play with the first line. He goes in there. Sorted out after the first couple of games, he gets a few points, not too, you know, whatever. Then he goes down with an injury; he's out for a little while. Comes back, he puts up three points in a night the other night against Ottawa, I believe. I know it's Ottawa, but it's still three points. Like the fact that he's keeping up and contributing with those guys, and it's not like he's just standing in the front of the slot and they're tipping, shooting off his stick. And Martin's and Matthews are buzzing around like he's doing stuff there. And then he comes out again tonight with points. He's got a point a game. He's that's a- awesome, and he's in his forties. And there's way more other guys that should be scoring there, right? Like.
0: Totally. And a point a game. And he missed like five or six.
1: Right. Like I just, i had a couple called back <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. He had a couple come back too. If you guys didn't see, uh, I haven't seen him like when he, his wife's from Switzerland. So he was in Switzerland in the summertime and he was taking like a taxi up a mountain and, and there's like, and the taxi driver like filmed it or whatever. Cause he's got like the dash camera or whatever. And Jumbo Joe is singing Britney Spears karaoke with this, this taxi driver. And they're just like, yeah, it's a secret. The passion that he has for life and for hockey is, like, it's all we need right now in hockey right now. Everybody's, like, a little bit broken down about COVID. Like, just, just watch Jumbo Joe enjoy hockey. If I could have a camera on him 24-7, that would be a Big Brother episode I would love to watch.
0: There you go. <laughs> he <laughs> off He's got tip
1: of my hat to Jumbo Joe. Love it. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: Love it. He's got 1,600-plus games. So, Sidney Krause has got 1,000. <laughs> this, this kid's got this, – Jumbo Joe's got, like, Owned. 600 on him. It's incredible, and he is one of those guys you look at and you go, you know, after all the wear and tear, he's still playing plus 40. Like you're absolutely right. Great pick, Jamie. Love it, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Great insight. Yeah, thanks and, for being uh, here, Jamie. And Great a lot to of fun. You, we will have you back. Uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe we won't spend as much time in the Canadians, but maybe, you know, you never know. You never know. Grandpa Bob's going
2: to want to have a, a good word with you.
0: That's Maybe right. We could yes.
2: go on together, but no. Th- thanks for
1: having me, boys. I appreciate it. It's been great catching up. I love love talking hockey and, and great to great to chat with you guys and catch up a little bit.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Braden. Thanks, Jamie. And uh, that's Hattrick. Hatrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Diller, coltman and Braden Diller, You And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. We murdered that hockey team tonight. That was painful. I actually felt bad for them after a while. What? I thought it was
2: awesome. Did you see they had a
0: shot in the third period? They just slowly panned down the Calgary bench, though, and it just looked like a whole <laughs> bunch of people who were like, why are we here? <laughs> no. No.